Welcome to the Inside OSU podcast. I'm Emily Bjorkland. On this episode, we'll be highlighting Aria's for Thursday, a research-led network intended to help not only learn more about students who are formerly in foster care, but also to provide them the resources they need to be successful in college. You'll hear from Dr. Carrie Carney, whose research led to the creation of Aria's for Thursday. Joining her is Dr. Catherine Gage, who volunteers as the campus contact for former foster care students, and Rebecca Hayes, who was in foster care herself before coming to OSU. Earlier this year, Carney and her team were awarded a grant from the Spencer Foundation to hold a nationwide conference focused on former foster youth in college. That conference will be held in 2020. Until then, she's sharing her research with people like me to help spread ours for Thursday's message. Here now is our conversation. Dr. Kearney, as the founder of Ours for Thursday, tell me a little bit more about what it is and kind of how it was started. Okay. Ours for Thursday started from research that I began in 2012, and that research was on the journey or experience of former foster youth uh, in Oklahoma colleges. They're a population we um, still don't know a lot about, but at that time we knew even less about their journeys. Um, but we knew that they likely needed some unique supports from us, but we didn't know what those were. So in 2013, uh, we gathered together some friends from across Oklahoma, and we sat down at a table and began to talk about that. And that was the year that we started Ours for Thursday. So Ours for Thursday is designed to um, help particularly higher education professionals, but also other uh, supportive adults. Um, uh, and then, of course, the foster alums themselves with how to navigate the higher education journey and, in particular, um, how to help institutions reframe the way that they're thinking and doing things to be um, of better support in a better environment for students who are coming in that have been in the foster care system. The idea is to train, is to get higher ed programs like OSU better equipped for the challenges that these foster youth are experiencing once they get into an environment like this. So what is, in your research, have you seen been the primary challenges that they've you've seen? Oh, there's, there's so many. It's sort of like, where do I start? Um, well, of course, as you look across Oklahoma, you have all different types of institutions. And so you have two years that are open access, you know, all the way up through the OSUs that are the research universities. And so those campus environments are very, very different depending upon whether you're at a very small campus or you're at an OSU that is just so huge. Um, but one of the, well, several of the prominent things that come through is higher education, of course, is hundreds of years old and, old, and its systems were developed and predicated on the white male. The white privileged male is what our systems were developed for. And because we have such a history in higher education of tradition, um, those processes have really hung on um, quite well <laughs> over the period of time. But unfortunately, our student population doesn't look like the privileged white male anymore. And so um, everything from going into um, housing and needing a parent signature to our financial aid processes that require family income, um, to orientations that um, students are asked where their parents are at for those, um, to in the classroom where foster alumni may not be prepared in the same ways as students that are coming from uh, families of privilege, um, and so on and so forth. Um, one of the big challenges, however, for higher ed is that a lot of foster alums don't want to be identified. Um, this is their chance to be like everyone else, and they embrace that with both arms. 
and that's a challenge for us on faculty and also student support systems because they do need some different supports um, and we want to be able to provide that um, but it's very difficult to do that when they're invisible to us. Dr. Gage, kind of is your role in RS for Thursday, would you agree with the idea that you kind of play as the mediator between OSU and these foster alums with kind of helping them get these resources? Absolutely. The first thing I want to do is give a shout out to Dr. Carney for making this possible because I think on her own she has created the infrastructure, uh, the road sign to enable students and also services and agencies outside of the institution to be able to find us and that makes all the difference in the world. So yes, absolutely. Um, I'm sort of that person that stands in the gap and is on call to respond to whatever a student need might arise and, and many times I meet students at the very beginning of their collegiate career. Uh, they need to get through the admissions process and that can be confusing to any of us and, and certainly if you've got uh, a parent there uh, uh, that can help a lot. Uh, but these students are oftentimes trying to navigate all of that mystery on their own. So whether it's you know a math placement test or finding out where the financial aid office is or getting the proper paperwork signed, that's frequently where I meet former foster youth for the first time. Uh, but then those needs can persist throughout the entirety of their time here. Uh, I work with undergraduate, I work with graduate students, and the needs are different depending on where they are in their um, uh, journey towards receiving their degree but yeah there are a lot of different things sometimes I'll meet students one time I might never see them again after we get their problem solved and some I continue the relationship and the interaction with. So how did you get involved with Dr. Carney and her research and this whole R's for Thursday Well, she's a, she's a force of nature and so you will hear about R's for Thursday and, and I think she's done a great job kind of telling the story and making people aware uh, whether it's at the Oklahoma State Regents or sending messages out to different college campuses or um, having that presence in different media on the OSU campus and I just started noticing it and there was just something about the message that really resonated with me. I have a particular passion to serving students who have all of the will and wherewithal um, psychologically and intellectually to, to do the job, but who just lack resources and just lack that support system. So um, it was a particular uh, passion of mine. It looked like something that I might be able to serve uh, well at, and so I knocked on the door and she said, come on in. So, Ms. Hayes, uh, you are an OSU grad. When, what year did you graduate? 2013. So as someone who uh, benefited from ours for Thursday and then also interned for them. How did that program shape your collegiate experience? So I was introduced to ours for Thursday through a mentor that asked if I wanted to participate in some research regarding foster youth on college campuses. And so I found them my junior, senior year. And so a lot of my interaction was telling them what I learned and what I needed or what people behind me would need. And so RSR Thursday opened my eyes to that people kind of care about it and that it was starting to become a concern of the administration on the campuses. And so they really allowed me to use my experience and what I learned or found to share to be able to change that. It gave hope to the chance of change. And then when I did my senior internship, it was the first time that I had really interacted professionally with other higher ed individuals. I was reaching out to campuses to invite them to come sit at the table. I reached out to other alumni to bring them in to have volunteers to be there and be a presence. And so it really started my advocating for the foster youth community, really. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, um, Rebecca was our intern the year that we had the first annual conversation and it really was her voice and her experience that guided us because we weren't in foster care and so we are wholly dependent upon students who have had this, who have lived this experience to guide us and that's where the research component of what we do comes in so critically because if you don't want to be identified, research gives you a vehicle to be able to have voice in what's happening and still have your identity protected. Now Rebecca grew into an advocate all her own, she's a force of nature all of her own and is a a professional out there in her own right now, but we can, she still, her phone rings sometimes or her text message goes off because she continues to be somebody that we lean on um, for whether or not we're doing the things that we need to be doing as we continue to grow. So, as you mentioned earlier, this program is kind of growing over the entire state of Oklahoma. What has that been like to see it start it from just the Stillwaters and OSU base and kind of grow to help? the entire former foster youth in the state of Oklahoma achieve their higher ed goals? Well that's sort of an interesting story as Rebecca could also tell you because our, um, <clears throat> excuse me, our first meeting at the Regents office was actually multiple universities and ours for Thursday was not really adopted as a formal program of OSU until last year. So we were four years old before we became large enough and loud enough <laughs> in some ways um, that OSU really recognizes as a formal program. Now, Dr. Gage was already, she'd already been working for several years, and Rebecca and I had been involved, but um, our goal now really is to turn OSU into a model campus for this. Um, and, and that is work that we're all passionate about uh, uh, of trying to carry that out. But um, it has truly been a network of Oklahoma institutions led by OSU, um, but never just at OSU. So someone who was in that foster care system and now seeing it grow in the past couple of years, what have kind of the benefits you've seen of having programs like this exist in Oklahoma and here at OSU? I feel realizing it or seeing it get to go statewide, it made it easier for other alumni to open up and accept it. In the beginning, it was a little bit of why is my campus not good enough? Why can I not have that knowledge or that support on my campus? And so dealing with um, some alumni in our alumni groups who had the feeling of, I didn't go to OSU, so I can't be a part of that. It's been able to open the doors of kind of a full acceptance in a, in a way where we are not just OSU student-based, and so there's a more of a welcoming. And it also helps, uh, I like to have an example. So whenever I first started interviewing with Carrie and doing the research, I was very adamant and I had my network of people. And so I had developed relationships and mentorships with different people in each office and so that's kind of the map I used and how I direct other people to work with foster youth and so being able to have an example of OSU and be able to say this is what your campus can do and this is how it would fit and what it does it makes it a lot easier to gain support for it they're not being blindly led they can follow an example in a module yeah. and, and I think another important thing that OSU has done whenever we did become official program of OSU is that um, the Institute uh, for Teaching and Learning Excellence, uh, Dr. Ormsby over there, she gave us um, or allowed us to have seed money through them funding as well as a video crew and last year, last January, we opened online basic training and that's really how we reach people across Oklahoma now because there's no funding at OSU for this. This is all something we do just 
because that's what we're drawn to do. Um, but the training is something that allows anybody across Oklahoma to plug into at any time that's convenient for them and get sort of the basics. Now, to the best of my knowledge, Oklahoma is still the only state in the nation who has that. There's about 17 states right now that are working with some type of system like ours for Thursday. And we're involved with all those states, but we're the first ones to go to online training. And that has really been OSU ITLE and their guidance that has allowed us to do that. So another big thing that's going to happen this year is that in January you received a grant from the Spencer Foundation to do your research, and that's uh, going to be presented next year at a conference, February of 2020. That's so right. tell me a little bit more about this grant and like what you're hoping to accomplish with it. Oh, I would be happy to. We <laughs> were doing the happy dance whenever that grant came in. Um, it really has to do with what's happened on the national level. Um, Oklahoma is different in that we were research-led, but we were the only state that came into this type of system through research. So all other states in the nation have been led by practitioners with these huge hearts that really want to serve students, and they just kind of have gotten in there and started serving them. And so over time it's created this huge sort of knowledge gap between really what is evidence-based and what is just kind of happening. And so um, in working nationally with the other states, uh, we really recognized that and we applied for a grant um, with, from the Spencer Foundation um, to fund the first ever national research uh, conference on invisible populations on campus and specifically on former foster youth at college campuses. The real push for that conference is to put together interdisciplinary teams that reach across higher education professionals and social workers because this area has to bring together two areas of knowledge that is different than what we've ever experienced before and that's tough because those are siloed areas that I mean social work and higher ed have not talked to each other very much ever and so it's a big challenge and so at that conference um, there'll be people there from all over the nation and the goal <coughs> is to put together interdisciplinary research teams that will begin research We'll seek to build those teams. There'll be national teams um, in D.C. in 2020. They'll do research for about 18 months. There'll be practitioners included on those teams to keep that tight link to practice. And then we'll host a follow-up co uh, conference in fall of 2021 here at OSU where they'll present that research and then we'll create additional teams and continue to go forward. So this is an opportunity for OSU um, to step in and take the leadership on something that I know I and the other ladies around this table feel very strongly about and to really stimulate research nationally that will then impact former foster youth, not just in Oklahoma, but in states all across the nation. Uh, to kind of close this out and finish this off, for everyone here at the table, what do you kind of see the future of ours for Thursday being, um, not just for Oklahoma, but nationally as well? I think you're on campus, and I'm, I'm that hands-on, on-the-ground kind of person too. Um, I. I'm looking forward to our effort moving from sort of like reacting and responding to building some more purposeful programs that the students themselves have designed. Uh, we were able to do a focus group last spring. We got some great information and we've started to take strides to provide the services and the kind of events that students want, the kinds of programs and events that will help them feel attached to and included uh, to this campus, to know one another, and to provide them with more support in an ongoing manner. One of the things, for example, that we've heard from 
former foster youth that they want is to have like a tailgate. Uh, they go to football games, they see families having a good old time. They like to have their own gathering and their own tailgate experience. So to provide that kind of, not only like academic support, emotional support, but also fun, engaging social support as well. For me, um, my vision is always great big. That's kind of what got us to this table. Um, I am building an army. That is my personal mission, is to build an army, um, not just in Oklahoma. Certainly, Oklahoma is my first stop. Um, but nationally, an army of higher education uh, professionals who uh, really understand the differences in, in some of the student populations that we have on campus now that have some differing needs. But I tell you what, you will never, ever meet a student who is more resilient and more committed and is going to make it happen than whenever you work with a former foster youth who has made it to a college campus. And so um, I, I want to build an army so that no matter what campus they go to, there is somebody there that gets it um, and can help them. And I think in turn, uh, we're already seeing some of our early students like Rebecca who are graduating and going on. And what they're going to do for us in turn is become economic contributors and contributors to social systems in ways that we've never had before. So this is not a one-way street. This is not an us helping them sort of thing. This is a we help them get through our systems in ways that then they're going to turn around and make a huge difference for us. So that's really my, my driver. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just have to tag team on the one point of like the incredible resilience and the incredible maturity of the former foster youth, everybody that I've ever worked with, mm -hmm. who know far more than I ever did my first year in school, um, what every single penny of every single class or residence hall room was going to cost. They've run the numbers. They've worked their job. They've got their savings. They've got their grant, but they might just need just you know, a nickel, <laughs> a little drop of money to get them through. And there's nobody that you want to support more because you know they're working. They're working jobs, they're working hard in school, and they're making it happen. For me as an alumni, when I try to break this down for my friends and colleagues who don't have foster youth experience, I really want ours for Thursday to become our um, lineage to be um, a part of something bigger than just myself on a campus or a youth on a campus. Whenever students come to OSU, I remember they would always talk about their parents and their fraternities and sororities and their Greek life that they knew they had to go be a part of because they were, their parents were a part of it. And forgetting the word that it means whenever you get in because your parent was one. But it's a legacy. Yes, a legacy. So I want ours for Thursday to be our legacy as foster youth who have paved the way by the hard work of Arts for Thursday didn't get to me until later into my school. So I had already put in most of the work in identifying mentors and people such as Trio, who I was, came from a small town and then came to OSU, so it was huge. I spent every day in my Trio worker's office eating lunch because I was terrified of the lunchroom. And so Having that connection, not everyone gets that. Not everyone knows you have to dig in deep and really find yourself on a campus. And so if ours for Thursday can be that, in my big brain would be, or big theory would be, a place on campus where there's at least one person housed that has the knowledge and the connections where I don't have to re-explain my story or why. In my professional um, experience, I have worked with university staff that has caused a student to cry because they do not understand why they don't have a parental signature on a form 
or why they can't access this or they want them to write out why they're technically a ward of the court. So when they don't explain, you just need to literally write, I was a ward of the court or get a ward of the court letter. They had them write out their detailed story of what the trauma that led to them being removed. And so I wanna be able to remove that from having to happen. I shouldn't have to explain to you why I was in foster youth. I should just be able to explain or identify that I was a foster youth and I don't have to follow this pathway, I follow this pathway. And so if the trauma-informed training is there and people, and I know that staff is there, I would be more open to accessing those services and those professionals rather than trying to suffer on my own or not be able to get it done or just let it go. And it, I don't have to make this payment or talk to somebody because I don't know where to go. So that's my big thing is our legacy. If you yourself are a former foster care student or you wish to learn more about ours for Thursday here at Oklahoma State, visit them at education.okstate.edu or reach out at rsforthursday at okstate.edu. Thank you so much to Carney, Gage, and Hayes for speaking with me about ours for Thursday. And thank you for listening to another episode. We'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Emily Bjorklund, and this is the Inside OSU Podcast.